on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We preview OU Nebraska with Jessica Cootie and give you some things to watch for in the game. We also preview some of the big games of week three in college football and give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, September 15th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Acker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games, with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. Go gamble at Riverwind, people. What are you doing? Go have some fun. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of September, visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now recording this Wednesday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted, how we feeling, man? Fantastic. Hump day. We're almost there. We're going to be headed to Lincoln, Nebraska before long. This is exciting, man. We've been waiting on this one for a while. I, I know Nebraska stinks. I know they've started one and two and fired their coach. I know the program has been down for quite some time now. But I am legitimately excited for this trip. So, I, I mean, I grew up, obviously grew up as an OU fan, was born and bred as a Sooner, played there, never been to Lincoln, Nebraska. Last time, last time we went was in 2009. I was a, it was my redshirt year. And we didn't travel the redshirt, guys. And at the time, like, I didn't even think about it, but I should have raised, like, more of a fuss been like, I want to go. I want to go. I didn't, we didn't know that Nebraska was going to be leaving the conference. Right. Yeah. So I am like, I can't just, I'm, I'm so, so excited for this trip. Yeah. Yeah. These, these big road trips are awesome. We don't get them very often. So whenever they happen, it's, it's something you circle on the calendar for a long time. I've only been to Lincoln one time, and that was to play a game in 2001. And you know how it is. You fly in, take the bus to the state or to the hotel, some team meetings, watch a movie, wake up, bus to the stadium. That's it. Like, I know nothing about Lincoln. Um, So I'm excited to get there, kind of rub elbows a little bit with the crowd, 
supposed to be a fantastic fan base. Uh, and that's what I remember of it. And stadium is beautiful. The atmosphere is going to be really cool. Should be an all around really, really fun weekend. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Okay. So we, we know there were, you know, the, the OU schedule changes were, you know, pretty, pretty substantial. They've led to a lot of conversation. We're going to talk about that in winners and losers. So don't think that we're ignoring it, but we really do want to just kind of dive into the game here at the start. And let's start with our things to watch for. Ted, when you look at Oklahoma defensively, what are you watching for? What challenges does Nebraska's offense bring? Um, I actually really like their offense. So do I. I've been watching really it all like day, it. and it's kind of awesome. Yeah, I really like their offense. Um, they do a lot of really interesting things in the running game. Uh, I think they're struggling on the offensive line. Okay. And- that is, that is extremely kind. They are, their tackles are too tall and too light. They get way too deep when they pass it. They vertical they set like nine yards deep. Five kick steps. They and- don't use their hands at all. I do think yeah. the center 75 is their best lineman for sure. The left guard's okay. They're playing a just absolute meathead at right guard in 73, who is awful. I mean, he's bad. I don't know how else others say it. Now, they brought in 59, who's a young guy, and he rotated a little bit in that Georgia Southern game. But I I just got to be honest. If our defensive line doesn't dominate this game, man, I will be I will be surprised. Now I feel like I said that going into last year's game against Nebraska, but this this offensive line for Nebraska is not good. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Right. Well, some of the stuff they do is really interesting now and you know, watching the Georgia Southern game. Georgia Southern defensively, especially on the back end and even on the D-line does a lot of the same stuff that OU does. A lot of quarter-quarter half um, on the backside. Now, what I thought was interesting, and I like it because I know it makes it really tough on defenses, a lot of crack from Nebraska. They ran a one-back power with the crack. They ran the one-back power to the trips and double cracked with the outside re- receivers, putting it all the way on the corner on the outside and ran the one back power almost like a, at a sweep angle to put it way outside the box while everyone's playing the, the one back power tight like it typically goes. I thought that was really smart. Um, they run just like Y motion where he's off the ball and will run lead inside and crack with the inside receiver. Um, they run... After all of the crack, well, let me talk about this one. They ran a bunch out of trips. So you got trips to one side, just a single X receiver on the back, pistol formation in the backfield, shotgun with the dot back. And they run just a split zone, but it's interesting because they run just a Z motion, like zip motion across, and then they snap it and run the split zone. X receiver cracks and the zip like arcs like he's going to block the defensive end to get him up the field and then arcs on the outside and then the tight end comes and digs him out 
And it's just a bunch of moving parts on the back end to stay gap sound. And you're getting a crack almost every single play, some type of crack in the running game. Well, when they get down to the red zone, what do they do? Linebackers, antennas are up. Safeties, antennas are up. Corners for crack replace, right? If you get a crack, you've got to come and replace that in the run fit. And they start running what I call like a Zorro where they fake the crack and then run a get open with the crack receiver because whenever you, the, the linebacker sees him, he's trying to get inside of him and underneath, and then it's a fake, and he's running up the field, and the quarterback's getting the ball right away. They just they run a lot of interesting things at you, and it's – I mean, like for me, defensively, it's the type of offense I would love to go against because like visually for me, I can see all of that stuff really well. But for, for guys that aren't experienced and don't understand bunch, don't understand crack and crack replace, don't understand like how that changes some of your gaps and, and, and your fits and like what it means sometimes in the passing game, it can be tough. And we've got some inexperience out there, guys that are just their first year starting. So it, I, I like it the- to say all that to say, I like their offense. The the concepts in the run game are sound. They're challenging. I think, and one of the really challenging things for Nebraska is like Anthony Grant, number ten, their running back, guy can play. And I'm listen. I'm not. I am not comparing this guy to Lashawn McCoy. I'm not doing that. But I played with Lashawn McCoy in Buffalo, and we'd block the play, and he'd go run somewhere else off feel, off instincts. I don't know how he saw some of the stuff he sees. I see some of that from Anthony Grant, where they're blocking zone one way, and he just takes off in a complete different direction. And he just like, I think, I don't know if he can just see it or feel it or what, but, and it's worked for him. I mean, he's found, he's found some, some, some big plays with that method and the guy he's fast, he's powerful, the whole thing. Like he's, he's a good player. The, the concepts are good. The back is good, but still the offensive line is not. And that's where, when you look at Oklahoma's defensive line and how they've played up to this point, they need to dominate this game because a lot of those intricacies and Whipple's offense won't matter if they're beating them up up front, that's just, I mean, that's just what it is. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And you saw that with, with Georgia Southern. Now the stuff that they hit against Georgia Southern was like some missed tackle stuff, a couple of busts, like Georgia Southern took a couple of chances and blitzed and just went single high and got picked and rubbed off and misidentified in the man-to-man underneath, and it turned into big explosive plays, and they didn't even need to do that. So they've kind of feasted off of those type of opportunities, but I'm totally with you. Like Our defensive line should be able to dominate this football game. Georgia Southern, they dominated the line of scrimmage defensively against Nebraska's offensive line. But you know what's kind of scary is – they did that and Nebraska was still able to generate some pretty good offense. Yeah. And I think Casey Thompson being, I mean, I don't know if he's a huge difference maker at the quarterback position, but I'll tell you, man, he's, he's capable. 
he covers a lot of holes for him. I mean, he's yeah. he's better than average. And if they if they were if they didn't have him at quarterback, they'd be in some serious trouble. Yeah. Okay. Anything anything else stand out? One one thing about and it goes back to their offensive line. And I think their left tackle got banged up at the end of the Georgia Southern game. So we'll see what that looks like uh, for them going into this game. But they've got two tackles. The left tackle's 6'10", the right tackle's 6'9". They're tall. They don't play with good leverage. I don't think they've been particularly well. If, if you can shut down the running game, right, which I expect Oklahoma to do, even though I think Anthony Grant is a quality back, Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs, whoever is playing edge, but especially those two guys with the length and the power that they've got, they need to whoop these guys. I mean, straight because I – the way that they vertically set, they do not have enough sand in their pants. They don't anchor well enough right now to be setting the way that they are. So I, I expect if, if, if OU can shut down the run game, force them into passing situations, I think it could be a long day for Casey Thompson. I think he's going to be under siege if they end up in those situations. Totally agree. I think our defensive ends can – have a lot of success in one-on-ones. I think uh, running some exit is going to be great. As, as fast and as high as those tackles get back, if you run an exit where the end's first and get to the edge of the guard and then run the loop, I, I just I think there's it's it puts it makes the guard way too vulnerable with how far they kick back, if if that makes some sense. So I think just straight rush with the ends and some of the game stuff up front has a has a really good chance to get home. But, you know, they're getting coached too, so you do have to expect them to to be better. And, you know, we're going to see some different stuff. What exactly it is, I don't know, but you're going to see some nuanced things that Nebraska has not featured offensively up to this point. Yeah, I, so I went back and watched Pitt and Clemson last year. Right, because Mark Whipple was the offense coordinator at Pitt. Clearly, BV was the defense coordinator for Clemson, and they they found some success throwing the ball in the middle of the field. Now it was Kenny Pickett slinging around as a guy. I mean, the guy could throw, but that's where in the passing game, that's where their money was made. So that's that's something to just kind of keep an eye on. Well, I'll say this: I had a conversation with Brent Venables about like what he expects possibly to be different about their offense. And they've, they've got, there's some things that they are working on that they feel like there's a pretty good chance that they're going to see and that Nebraska has not run up to this point. I don't want to say what those things are, but there's some stuff like they've got their eyes on some things that they expect to see some nuanced stuff out of, out of Whipple that, that didn't really marry up with Scott Frost's uh, mentality offensively. So you, I guess what I'm saying is Venables has a very keen eye for picking up Frost influence on Whipple's offense, if that makes sense. So there's some stuff that they, they expect to be different whenever they, they play Saturday. You're saying he's expecting it to be a little more whipply and a little less frosty, <laughs> uh, a little more whipple on the frosting. Yeah, for sure. There you go. All right. You got anything else with Nebraska's offense? OU's defense on the field. 
Nope. Anything else? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, let's get to the fun part, shall we? OU's offense. Speaking of offensive lines that need to play better, <laughs> that that really is, I, I think, the interior of the offensive line is, is what I'm going to be watching first, right? Especially in the run game, because while I don't think their defensive tackles are, are world beaters, uh, 99, Ty Robinson, and 82, Colton Feist, I can tell you one thing. Without knowing what their weight room numbers look like at all, I can tell you those guys are strong as hell. Yeah. Especially 99. Yep. I can tell you he could squat a house and he can bench a house. I can tell you right now without even knowing. And we have not seen the interior of this offensive line. You know, Matar, Rame, Murray, throw Conjol in there. We have not seen the interior of this offensive line create a lot of movement. So is this the week? Right against these corn fed, you know, corn fed dudes from Nebraska, is this week? I I don't know. They struggled to get movement against Kent State. These dudes are going to be strong, strong. They're not. I don't think they're great players by any means, but they do play really hard. So that's that's one thing, Ted. I know, I know it stood out to you. Can you move ninety nine and eighty two? That's I I think that could be a really important thing for this offense in this game. Well, there's no doubt. And big and strong is great until you give up a first down and OU hits the hits the gas pedal, right? And we saw them against Northwestern. Like I felt that their defensive line was was out of shape and as the game wore on, became less and less effective. Tired, standing up straight, not firing off the football. And that really affected the way that their linebackers were able to play. They were giving up some stuff that they just Northwestern was running up and down the field on them. And they were lining up in bare gap sound on the inside and couldn't, couldn't get any stops at all. So I think if we can get some movement, move the chains and start going up tempo, it could just, you know, destroy those guys. Here's my question to you. I, will we see. Okay, I know where this is headed. Okay. If I was the offensive line coach, which I am not, I would want to see how Harrison at left tackle. Yes. Wanya Morris at left guard. Yes. Andrew Rain at center. Uh Chris Murray at right guard. And Tyler Guyton at right tackle. I would want to see how that looked. Right. Option two is... Same thing, except for Morris at right tackle, his his natural spot. And like I think 
because of the size and physicality, like you maybe bird at left guard because yeah. of what he brings and the type of explosiveness and punch he has. If, if he knew what he was doing every play, I'd be with you, but I'm not so sure, man. Yeah. With the limited, limited reps we've seen him get, I'm not so sure, but, and this is, and I've had some conversations about this and it's frustrating because I think the best five is Harrison, Wanye, Rame, Murray, and Guyton. The problem is, is throwing that five out on the field together for the first time in this environment a good idea? Which is why Wanye Morris being suspended for the first two games was so frustrating for me because you would have seen this combination at some point. You would have gotten to see it. You would have gotten to see how they played together in a game setting. Now you're going and playing in probably the loudest game you'll play in all year. Do you really want to try a new combo? I, I don't know. That's where I am. I'm frustrated. But that's the thing is no matter what, it's going to be a new combo. Right. Yeah. Whether it's Morris at right tackle or Morris at left guard, it's going to be something new. Yeah. No, it's so, the question is, is do you trust, do you trust Guyton more at tackle or do you trust like maybe bird more at guard? But you know, I, I think that in, you know, way better than I do, but I would think that Guyton has a chance to be pretty good in this game, considering how big like size is their thing. It's not necessarily speed. And I feel like I, maybe he'd be better against that. I would play just from how their defense is structured, right? Over the right tackle, you got two and you got 32 rushing the right tackle, mm-hmm. right? So which Oshawn Mathis is 32. People may remember him from TCU. Long, long arm guys, a little, a little leaner, right? Nelson, the left defensive end, or I guess he's the right defensive end over the left tackle. That is the meathead guy, right? The yeah. guy that's going to try to bull through your soul. I like that matchup with Anton Harrison. His anchor's much better this year. I, I think we'll be able to sit down on all that stuff. But Guyton's length and athleticism, it, it is a good matchup for the guys that have, up to this point, been rushing the right tackles that they've played. So yeah. I think the matchup is good for Guyton at right. But if Wanye is a better all-around player, then – you know, you, you go with him, but it, it doesn't sound like this decision's even been made yet. So, yeah. So, well, I mean, you never know. Sometimes Bill doesn't tell until right, right before they go out for the game. And I'm dead right. serious. Well, I, I, I think week one, we agreed that it was not good enough. I think week two, we agreed that it was not good enough, but it was better than week one. I, I, I expect I, even if Wanye Morris was not playing, I would still expect this, the group that has been playing, to continue to be more and more improved. So, left guard know. and center need to be better, more physical, need to be better. Okay. So, some other stuff we're looking at. So, when you look at Jeff Levy's offense, um, OU is majoring in 11 personnel, right? One tight end, one back, three wide receivers. But Georgia Southern, when you go back and you watch that tape, man, they had a lot of success in 10 personnel running the football. 
they just they spread them out. It created light boxes, and man, they gashed them. I mean, in some long ones. So I do wonder, will we see some more 10 personnel? So no tight ends, just you know, one back all receivers, or could we see OU stay in 11 with Braden Willis or Daniel Parker and kind of split them out and create some more space? Because if Nebraska, if Nebraska plays, plays those formations like they played against Georgia Southern, they're going to get gashed in the running game. I mean, or they better, maybe that's the best way to put it. They better get gashed in the running game. But I, I think it'll be interesting to see how much of that stuff we see because Georgia Southern had a ton of success with it, man. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, just obviously not, not super intricate, but with, with my eyes, like what I would do is early in the game, I would, I would feature a bunch of running game out of 12 personnel with two tight ends, one back power. We started to have success in the second half with that. You do that out of 12 personnel really easily. Um, two back power, just motion one of the, the tight ends as a, as a fullback and run two back power split zone out of 12 personnel because the big 10 plays 12 personnel way different than the big 12 does the big 12 plays 11 and usually 12 as a nickel type of situation the big 10 does not do that for the most part 12 is base defense where you've got the extra backers still on the field. And if you feature that run early, get them comfortable with playing base, then because we have no problem splitting our tight ends out as receivers. And I would split those guys out to get those backers in space. It's easy to motion your outside guys in and make those the slot receivers while the tight ends end up being the outside guys and trying to find a way to exploit the middle of that defense whenever they're in the, their, their heavier personnel with more backers out there. That, and and I love where you're thinking, we talked about that heading in uh, into the Kent State game. Would we see some more 12 personnel now that Daniel Parker's back? I We didn't see, what was it, one snap of it? One snap, and it was terrible. And it did not go well. <laughs> but maybe maybe we see them implement more of that in this game, but kind of along the lines of what you were saying, if you have success running out of 12, right. And you have them in base defense, they're in trouble. They're going to have, they're going to have to make a choice, man. And they and, have to stay in it is the, and, is the thing. And we saw when Georgia Southern was gashed them, like they started playing a bunch of cover one. Mm -hmm. And if they're playing single high safety stuff, our wide Ooh. receivers, I uh, just are, our wide receivers can run by these guys, especially number six. Sorry to pick on you, man, but you, you just you ain't got it. So I, I think that is that is a that's a that's a big thing to watch. One other thing, one last thing in the running game, they played quite a few, you know, when Georgia Southern spread them out, they played quite a few five-man boxes. And that forces your safeties into the run fit, right? And Buford number one and Farmer number eight. If they got to make plays in space, we're gonna. I mean, the Sooners gonna be in good shape, man, because those guys they did not look very comfortable 
coming up and having to make one-on-one tackles. In fact, they missed a couple of them, and they were massive explosive plays for Georgia Southern. So if Levy can formate some things and get those guys in the fit, oh, boy, I Marcus Major, Eric Gray, one-on-one with one of those dudes, feeling really good about it. Yeah, yeah. It, it ain't Baylor. Like, the safeties in the five-man box against Baylor – whenever they get running game oh my god it's like it's like watching a uh a prius get hit by a f-250 it's like those guys come so hard downhill that's not what you're seeing i i think they've got plenty of options but the key you know like we've talked about is it all has to start from the inside out i mean these are all fun theories but if you can't block it up with your your inside five then you know you're going to be hanging on for dear life. It's going to be <laughs> Mims running the get the sandlot route. Get open. Yeah, and I will say. Which to that point, quarterback run game. You expect to see some sprinkled in. I I think so. And one of the reasons why, because a lot of that stuff, you know, who's responsible for the quarterback and the quarterback run game. I really haven't seen some physically imposing safety for them that's coming up and just punishing guys. You know what I mean? Like right, I, yeah. and, and I think that, you know, that's something Levy will see and say, okay, I feel, you know, I feel like we can let Dylan run a little bit and he's not going to get his head taken off by one of these guys. I, I haven't seen anything like that up to this point from them. And it helps your tackles. It, it slows that edge down quite a bit whenever you know, they've got an offset back to them and the antenna is up. Like, am I getting zone read? Am I going to have to be responsible for the quarterback? It just slows those first steps down a little bit. Yeah. in 44 and 32, I mean, by far the best edge guys that OU's played this year. Like they're not, they're not slappies. Does so, Mathis look a little overweight to you compared he to He looks what slow to me. I, I agree. He He's looks still got that knee brace on. Shape. Yeah. I don't know. I, the last two years, he just he he hasn't looked like the same guy he looked like when he kind but of twenty twenty. He had that nine sack season, right? And, yeah, and, and he was like explosive and twitchy. It's like all the twitch is gone. I don't yeah. know, but he's still a long, lean, athletic guy, and he does. He works hands well. He's got the two hand swipe, so it, it's going to be a nice challenge uh, for Anton Harrison, Wanya Morris, Tyler Guyton, whoever. We see it tackle. You got anything else? I don't think so. All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys for your boldest predictions for OU Nebraska. Uh, and this one comes from Brian Kinder, who says, special teams touchdown. You know what that means, Teddy. And OU sends a message with a 30-plus point margin of victory. Whoa. Special teams, critical. Um. I know the feeling of this game is it should be a one-sided affair. But I, I think everyone's antennas are up to know that there's, like, at least early, if, if you don't take care of business, you're going to have a dogfight. And when you're in dogfights, always, 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 special teams is the deciding factor. Maybe it's a missed field goal. Maybe it's a made long field goal. Maybe it's a nice kick return or punt return. Maybe it's a block. Sometimes it's just about who has the best field position throughout the day. So I, I totally agree. If, if we find ourselves in one of those 
like a like a game we had last year where it's a dogfight, special teams going to be a huge factor in who ultimately wins the game. I agree. All right, and this last one comes from Clement Akufo, who says the OU running game will get back on track as Eric Gray and Marcus Major will rush for 100 yards as the Sooners hold off Nebraska and Lincoln. Now, I don't know what he means by hold off, but if both of those guys are running for 100 yards, it's going to be a comfortable win for Oklahoma. But I mean, we talked a lot about how the running game needs to get going, and it should, with what we've seen up to this point, man, it should get going against this defense. They just they have not been any good. I agree. Um you know, I, I'm interested to see what else. We'll see some new stuff in the running game. There's no doubt. You've mentioned some of the the pin pull stuff. I wonder if we see some of that just to kind of take the size out of their defensive line and put it on the perimeter a little bit. I don't know. I'm I'm fascinated to see what we see from Oklahoma. Yeah, make those. I, both of those guys probably squat a thousand pounds. Make them run <laughs> laterally a little yeah. bit. Make it, hey, make O'Shawn Mathis run laterally away from their sideline. And that Lebby has tried that a couple of times so far. And, you know, we had some success in week one against UTEP, uh, not as much early on against Kent State. But I mean, that is definitely one of the things that he does is early in a series, he'll throw a bubble, he'll run an outside run, like just a hand, hand back or, or whatever it is to make sure that defensive line pursues a couple of times to make sure they're winded for the rest of the series. Yeah. All right. Let's get to birthday shout outs in one note, man. We may have to start. I don't know what, but too many. We got, we're, we're getting a lot. We're getting a lot. <laughs> and I, which is exciting. Cause that means the podcast is continuing to grow and like, it's exciting. And I know people want to hear the birthdays, but I can't keep keeping track out of all these, man. There's too many. I mean, there's too many. Oh, wow. I, I, I'll try my best, but we may need to reevaluate. We may need to go like benchmark birthdays and like kids and that's it or something. Okay. You know? Yeah. That makes sense. Like 21 and then 30, 40, 50, 60, like something that ends at a zero, you know? Well, I hear you. And maybe easy last names too, or maybe that's the beauty of this thing. I don't know. Or, or maybe we should just stop bitching and read the names. How about <laughs> that? All right. There happy first birthday to Remington walls. Happy first birthday to William Wayne Eden. Happy ninth birthday to Brody Ishcomer. Ishcomer Ishcomer. I think you got it. Ishkomer. Okay. It's one happy of those. 16th birthday to Joseph Moose Sutton. Happy 25th birthday to Drew Markwells. Happy 26th birthday to Adam Lamonq. Lamonk? Lamonk? I don't know. It's probably we, one of those. Happy 29th birthday to Hunter Harley King Curtin. Happy 29th birthday to Brittany. Para Julie. Seems right. Happy 35th birthday to Kevin Brown. Oh, thank God. An easy one. Happy 38th birthday to Michael Wright. Happy, happy 38th birthday to Brett Vena, Vena, Vena. One of the happy 42nd birthday to Keith Weaver. Happy 53rd birthday to Angela Carroll. Happy 58th birthday to Kevin Frank. Happy 70th birthday to Bill Sherman. Happy 84th birthday to Wanda Sue Factor. I met your son at the uh, the coaches show or your grandson. Sorry. Happy 89th birthday 
to Patsy Hargis. Happy 45th birthday to John Deckard. Happy 37th anniversary to Mark and Patty Anderson. And happy anniversary to Brent and Sarah Ishkomer. Whoa. <laughs> All right, let's talk to Jessica Cootie a little bit more about OU Nebraska. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also says you have, has you, oh my goodness, has you covered. <laughs> if you forget your phone charger or headphones, they've expanded their mobile to go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. All right, here she is. Here's Jessica Cootie. It is our pleasure to be joined by a woman that does just about everything for <laughs> Nebraska athletics, including being part of Nebraska football's radio team. Jessica Cootie is in the house. She used to be one of us. She's no longer one of us. What's going on, Cootie? Oh, it's good to see you guys. I'm excited you guys are coming to Lincoln this weekend because you've never been up uh, here. So you're going to be blown away by this atmosphere. I'm just letting you know. I, the last time OU went there was 2009. It was my red shirt year and they, I didn't travel. So I have, I've never had the pleasure. I've also never been to Omaha and we're staying in Omaha. So I've, I'm getting to knock both of those off the list, which is kind of cool. Omaha school, Omaha school. It's bigger. It got a lot to do there. So, um, that's awesome. Not too far of a drive either. It'd be kind of like, um, Oh, Oklahoma City to Stillwater. Well, what's the feeling? <laughs> it's been a it's been an interesting year. There's, you know, a, a lot put into this year, right? Everyone kind of knew what was going on with with Scott Frost, so there was a big emphasis. They hired a new offensive staff. There, there was, you know, like this is it. This is the final run, and it starts off rocky in Ireland with the loss to Northwestern. And, you know, get past North Dakota, Georgia Southern comes to town. Can't win it. Scott Frost is gone. Like, what has this whirlwind of a season been like so far? Yeah, it really has. It's 
been absolutely crazy and just the really the complete downfall really for lack of better words of the defense because a year ago the defense was the strength of this football team and how quickly it had has gone downhill and yeah I mean going into this season everybody knew what was on the table and you know dating back to when Trev Alberts renegotiated the contract with Scott Frost and and negotiated the buyout and it's been a clear message hey you got to win you got to win now and not a good start and I, I just yeah it's um it's been pretty disappointing the way that this team has started the season and so yeah Trev Alberts uh, pulls the trigger and uh, does it going into this week which has been pretty crazy this week now uh, I definitely want to talk about the team and the vibe around the team since Scott Frost got fired but I need to know how how awkward was that flight back from Dublin after you guys lost? That had to be terrible. Well, it was, um, yeah, I mean, that's what we were joking about with Jeremiah on the, on our podcast about planes, plane rides coming back home from a road game on as after a loss are just awful, but this one was eight hours long. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty bad, but it was at least a big charter. And so I was kind of more towards the back. The team was at the front. So, um, I think they went to sleep, but in the airport about to get on the flight. Yeah, it was, it was pretty brutal. It was pretty, pretty down. Guys are pretty down and it was, um, not, not a good sight for sure. How was that experience though? I saw a couple of the outtakes of you interviewing some of the locals there asking about football that seemed seemed really cool and there was a huge nebraska contingent that went oh, over there yeah. so was it a cool mix of locals and and you know american football fans that made the trip like how was that whole how'd the whole thing play out yeah it it was cool it was a, a fun experience and it felt like a Nebraska home game. They were so loud. And even Casey Thompson said that he said that felt like a home game. Uh, they traveled so well. And even at one point, I don't know if you guys saw this, but something went out, like the Wi-Fi went out in the stadium. And so they couldn't charge people at con concessions. So they were just giving away free beer. And so they had this long, like beer cup snake going on throughout, through uh, the Nebraska fan uh, stands. It was, yeah, it was pretty wild, but it um, definitely didn't turn out. I feel bad for those fans that traveled over there and, and saw that loss, but they, I think a lot of them, there were some that made two week, a two week vacation out of it. The golf is great over there. They're, the locals are so nice and friendly and welcoming, and they were glad to have that football game there. And stadium's pretty cool. So, yeah, it was a cool experience for sure. It just was a really, really tough matchup for Nebraska out of the gate. And with a lot of new pieces and faces, and Northwestern has a culture, and I know they had a bad losing season last year, but Coach Fitzgerald you know, has that culture in place. And so um, it was not a good matchup for this Nebraska team out of the gate. Okay. You, you mentioned the downfall of the Nebraska defense. What, what has gone so wrong? I mean, because they can't stop the run. They're getting carved up by the pet. I mean, Georgia Southern did pretty much whatever they wanted offensively. Like what, what has gone so wrong for this Nebraska defense. 
Well, I think first and foremost, and again, going into the season opener, Jeremiah and I talked a lot about going back to the Purdue game, the last game of the season a year ago, and they just dink and dinked and dunked us all game. And, you know, those short passes and just had a field day um, and really time of possession, dominated the time of possession, kept the Nebraska offense off the field. And so Jeremiah had said, hey, um, you know, this could be a potential. Well, that's kind of what Northwestern did. And so that that started right there. And then I, I think uh, the inside linebacker, Nick Henrich, who is a team captain, got hurt in the game against Northwestern. He hasn't played since. I think they've really missed him. They had a guy, uh, Chris Blarvik, who had moved to nickel. He hadn't played inside at all until last week. They also, Ernest Hausman is a true freshman. He is going to be a good player has a tremendous upside, but as a true freshman, it's a lot to ask a guy to be in that spot. So I think since Nick Kendrick has gone out, they've had some trouble there at the inside linebacker spot and, um, you know, working alongside Luke Reimer, the defensive line, they don't have as much depth. That was going to be a concern going into the season. And, you know, they added a couple of transfer portal guys, the guy from Texas tech um, drew has really, he got here midway through fall camp. So I don't know how, conditioned he is at this point and so the the lack of depth at uh, up front and then I think the inexperience at inside linebacker and then they've also they're they're replacing three guys at safety and cornerback Two the two safeties had started basically four years and then you had a Cam Taylor Britt gets drafted in the second round goes to Cincinnati the starting cornerback so you have some guys also in the back end that are pretty new too so yeah it just I mean but still players that played last year that you would expect it not to have the missed tackles are really the the issue that have been really just I mean just flabbergasting I guess I mean it's just how does that go that bad that quickly well you got a you got an interim coach, and you know the um, the Sooner fans. I think were probably more upset than than the Nebraska fans whenever it happened because I think everyone understood right away that oh my God, here we go! Like this is one of those situations where you know I've I've played on a team, Gabe. I I think you have. Whenever the head coach got fired, it it is really a direct indictment on every single person in that, in that team meeting room, coaches, players, everyone. And it hurts. And there's like this intense desire to get back out there and try and prove something. So I think Oklahoma's antennas are definitely up to that, but what's the feel been like around campus through the fan base? Is that kind of the same type of vibe you're getting? Yeah, so we have not had any availability this week. Mickey Joseph was the only one that spoke. So I haven't spoken to any players. I did um, speak to someone that had told me that they had a team meeting on Sunday and that, um, you know, I think Casey Thompson is really, really close with Mickey Joseph. The offensive players are really, really close. They love Mickey Joseph. He's been a guy that um, they've really bought into on the offensive side of the ball. And so I think, and, and a lot of those offensive players, especially the ones that transferred in, came here because of Mickey Joseph. And so, um, you know, I think they'll buy in to Mickey. But um, as far as the, some of the defensive players, they just were so defeated on the sideline. I don't hope I don't know how you make that big of a turnaround from what I saw last Saturday night. Hopefully they will. But um, again, haven't had a chance to chat with any of them. 
but we'll find out pretty quickly. It could be could be a shootout on uh, Saturday. L- looking at the offense, uh, I know Mark Whipple comes in right takes takes over the offense, but I I had to I have to assume that Scott Frost had some influence on what they were doing offensively with you know his track record as an OC and a play caller. Do you think the offense could change a little bit now that Mark Whipple has, I assume, full control of what he's doing? Yeah, I guess maybe it, it could. Um, I think there was speculation that um, Scott Frost called the play calls in the second half against uh, North Dakota. I don't know for sure, but um, yeah, it, it was a mixture. But I think I think they'll keep probably keep doing what they've been doing and maybe just it will be only Mark Whipple making doing the play calling with a little bit, I guess, of, of Mickey Joseph, which he was already involved in, in uh, the scheming, I believe. So um, I don't know how much different it will look, you know, a lot of with, with Scott Frost, a lot of it was a quarterback run game, which we've seen a little bit more out of Casey Thompson. So, you know, with Nebraska's offensive line and still kind of being um, a question mark there, Maybe yeah, they I gotta imagine. I, I gotta imagine that they'll still use the quarterback run game just with with the offensive line. What well, did you I was, say? I said that O line. They stink. <laughs> I mean, I got eyeballs. Better. You got eyeballs. They 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 got a long way to go up front. It sounds like they're pretty young, pretty inexperienced. Yeah. But well, and then the um, starting left tackle left the game at the end of the game last week and didn't come back in, and so don't know about his status either. Teddy Prohaska. What was the feeling in that stadium as that game was closing down against Georgia Southern? Well, they got loud at the end, you know, because Nebraska took the lead late and it looked like they were going to pull it out. But then at the end, it was just kind of one, I think, of shock. And then the student section was had some chants going on about um, Coach Frost. And so but it was it was kind of just shock and uh, just really disappointed. But it, it got really loud. And again, a night game that Nebraska does this uh, light show in the third, in between the third and fourth quarter. And it is a huge hit. And so it was rocking. It was so loud, but then at the end, boy, it quiet. Cause it was just a quick drive from Georgia Southern that um, ended up closing the door on Nebraska. So it was kind of a, went from being really, really loud to just being pretty quiet and shocked. I, I feel like, I feel like we've been pretty negative about your Huskers, Cootie. I'm going to bring some positivity to this conversation. Anthony Grant has been a bright spot for this football team. He, he's fun to watch on, on tape. What, what have you seen from him, and, and how big of an impact do you think he can have in this game? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think that's with the offensive line not necessarily gelling you know, as much as you would want. And the question marks there, you just got to give him a little bit of space and he can make some really special things happen. And we've seen that. And so I think that's, that's given some confidence to the offensive line of, Hey, just give him a little bit of room and he can really make things happen. And, and they said that's been happening since he got here and all throughout fall camp. It's what he did in junior college. He was, you know, the nation's leading uh, running back in junior college a year ago. Um, so yeah, he's, he's definitely really special. And then we saw AJ Allen, the true freshman, who's also more, he's a complete back too. And Jeremiah and I saw him at, at this summer and he was a, the first running back to jump out at me when I went to practices in fall camp. Like that guy is not going to redshirt. And then 
you know, there is some speculation who would be the number two running back. So I think between Anthony Grant and AJ Allen, they do have a really good one-two punch at running back. And then they they really do have some talent at the wide receiver position. So it's is Casey going to have time to uh, get them the football because they do have some guys that can make some plays in space as well. And um, then also the tight end, Travis Vopalek, who I'm sure you guys have also seen on film. I think he's going to be back on Saturday. So um, he's, he's a matchup nightmare. He made a big catch last year in Norman and he had come, he was, that was his first game back coming off an injury. And so I think he's an NFL tight end. Casey was really comfortable throwing the ball to him. He also helps blocking. He helps the, tr- the offensive line tremendously. He's, he was a big help in that game against Northwestern. So he's going to be a big difference maker in this one. If he's back in, not just catching the football, but in uh, protecting Casey and also maybe potentially opening up some holes for the running backs. So when I first started radio, 10 years ago, I was making fun of OU for scheduling this game with Nebraska a decade away, right, is when it was announced. And I was laughing at it, and here it is a decade later. I feel old as hell, but here we are. We're going to Lincoln. Like, And I know there's been Why a were you lot laughing of- at it, by the way? I just think it's dumb that we have to schedule non-conference games so far out. Well, I, look, now you're having to cancel them. I Well, yes, yes, exactly. Correct. Uh, which, you know, I don't know. I think that actually kind of helps prove my point. But regardless, mm-hmm. it's been a long time coming. I know like we had our own coaching change. You guys are going through a, a situation now, but. I still expect the buzz to be fantastic around this game. Like, what do you expect the atmosphere to be like? Oh, absolutely. It's going to be wild. And it, it does because I was at Oklahoma when this game was being planned and I knew how much it meant to OU fans. It's been the same thing here. I mean, they're the fans are so excited for this. It means a lot to, I mean, look, there's a reason why Nebraska has a sellout streak for so long. There's a lot of longtime fans that remember what this rivalry is about. They're going to honor the 71 and 70 team. Again, Johnny Rogers is being honored. There's a a lot of uh, things surrounding it, just like how it was in Norman surrounding those game of the century teams. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. It's going to be crazy. I know a lot of people have had this game circled for a long time, dating back to 10 years ago when it was announced. And so, yeah, it's going to be really, really loud, especially to start. And, you know, depending on how this game unfolds, but there's a, a newfound, this fan base is going to get behind Mickey Joseph and they're going to rally and they'll at least provide the juice to start the game. We'll see how it unfolds, but I think uh, they're going to, they're going to come out in full force. It's going to be incredible. It really is. I mean, I've said this, I, I have thought that the atmosphere in Lincoln is way louder and they stick around and they cheer throughout the entire game than what I experienced when I was in Norman. Now, I don't know, maybe it was different this year with, Brent Venables and how they were in the first two games this year. But when I was at Oklahoma compared to what I was compared to Nebraska, it is way louder. It is way um, fans are in it way more than what I experienced in Oklahoma and the game last year against Iowa. I mean, you're going into a game last game of the season. I mean, it is the rivalry. It's the day after Thanksgiving. And um, it was a team that had won three games and it was one of the loudest atmospheres I've ever been a part of. I mean, it, it was comparable to that Tennessee game. It was so loud. So I really think that it's going to be rocking on Saturday. So they've been bad, but it's still really loud. 
That's oh. a, a respect to those fans. Awesome. It is. That's, it that's is. why I am. Yeah. I really am so excited. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited to be part of this game. Like I, I cannot wait. Now we've got a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are going to be making the trip to Lincoln. What do they got to do? What, what's on, what's on the must stop? Like, bars restaurants are you still a vegetarian so maybe give us restaurants that other people like maybe not your favorite <laughs> okay one. okay but give you should have told me this before so i could thought about it well first of all i mean i've had a couple of people reach out to me and if you get there on friday i believe i hope i'm not um saying this wrong but they do stadium tours so for people that want to come in and see a little bit of um what's going on and, and there's they're building a new facility but you can get a tour of the facility and go into the stadium before um beforehand so um that's that's a neat thing to do if people want to you know experience and see the stadium before they go in on saturday berries on campus corner is a really cool bar it's got um a, an upstairs patio kind of a little bit like the porch in lincoln where it overlooks campus it's usually always rocking. We've got a lot of people there. The hay market, anywhere in the hay market is um, really, really good to go. It's right by Pinnacle Bank Arena. And so it's kind of like a, it was modeled after the Kansas City Lights District, Power and Lights District. Yeah. And so it's a smaller kind of version. So there's a lot of walkable restaurants, bars, all there. And it will all be just absolutely off the chain um, from Friday to Sunday. I think a lot of people that stick around on Saturday night, I mean, it is, there's a lot of good places in that area that you can, you really can't, can't uh, miss on, on any of those places. So I'd say hit up the hay market. What's the verdict on Runza? You're from Um, Oklahoma. Well, I don't eat meat really. And so I, I did, I was given a vegetarian Runza to try and it was no bueno. So, um, <laughs> vegetarian not, Runza. What? Yeah. I was uh, not a fan of the vegetarian Runza, but I mean, it's a, it's a staple around yeah. here and you know, they did, I do got to give a shout out because when NIL first happened, they gave, um, NIL deals to, um, Husker athletes. They basically the first, um, 50 of any sport that wanted to get involved and, and have an NIL deal, they were making it happen. So um, it was pretty cool. Nice. nice. Okay, Cootie. Well, we'll see you this weekend. I'm excited to see you. it's been too long, but I know I, I hope the Sooners drag your Huskers. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, uh, I hope Casey Thompson has a similar performance to what he had a year hey. ago against Oklahoma. Hey. It's enough. <laughs> not gonna happen okay <laughs> not gonna happen all right goody you're the best Thanks. let me know if you guys need anything when you get here all right see ya awesome well at the very least nebraska fans are gonna bring it on saturday it sounds like how about that cootie says louder more into it than oklahoma regardless of what's going on in the season well there's gonna be a lot of ou fans there We'll see. Uh, we'll see if they take that challenge personally. I know. Mm-hmm. I know it. All right. Let's let's preview some of the other big games in week three of college football. But first, football season is back, folks, and it's time to get back out on the tailgate. And there's nothing better to drink than the number one seltzer, Clubby Seltzers. Clubby Seltzers, an Oklahoma company that's already winning national awards because their product is delicious. Tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. They're not just for the tailgate either. Perfect to drink by the pool after mowing the lawn, whatever. If you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. The variety pack is out. The new can is out. 
To find a place near you that has clubbies, visit clubbyseltzers.com. And attention, business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from any insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverings, offerings, and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. All right, week three in college football. First game I want to talk about is an interesting one, Ted. Texas Tech going to Raleigh to take on number 16, NC State. NC State is a 10-point favorite. Both teams head into this game 2-0. and Texas Tech coming off that big win in double overtime at home against Houston, and they're now going to travel to take on the Wolfpack. So even though Donovan Smith is an extremely talented athlete at quarterback, man, he made some bad mistakes in that Houston game. Now he ends the game. He wins it with the touchdown run, right? But three interceptions in that game, one for a pick six. Bottom line, Ted, he can't make those mistakes in this game if they want to have a chance. He just can't. Yeah, I feel like, you know, they started off the season. Tyler Shuck won the job. This is more of a passing offense. He gets banged up. Donovan Smith takes over. Um, looks good in week one. What was he, like 18 of 21, something like that in week one. Uh, looked really good. But as you play better defenses, it's going to be harder to complete some of those passes and NC state's got a really good defense, really experienced defense. So I think they're going to really start to limit some stuff in the passing game, move the pocket and feature the quarterback run and try and get him on the edge uh, with, with some, you know, some run pass option stuff, but it's going to be tough. NC state is, that's a really good football team. Going on the road is is a different animal, especially for a a fairly inexperienced quarterback like Donovan Smith. But it, they're linked to him. If he goes out and has a clean football game and makes some of those plays with his legs, they're going to be right there fighting in the end. Yeah, I I'm interested to see how Zach Kentley, the offense coordinator for Tech maybe gives him some easier throws, puts him in some better situations, allows him to use his legs. A little more because Devin Leary is not going to make mistakes, right? I mean, he, he, he's certainly not your guy or fifth year guy. Yeah. He's old man. Yeah, I mean, he's old. old, he's got that, but now he didn't exactly light it up against CCU in the opener. And that was a scary experience for all NC state fans. But the one interesting thing about this game, Texas Tech's defense so far has, has actually been pretty good they've been really good against the run so things could get interesting if that defense plays well also Taj Brooks man he is he's been a bit he's been a worker horse for for that tech offense so 
I think this is a really tough spot for Texas Tech. I, I don't expect them to win this game, but I I could see them putting up a hell of a fight, man. I I think Tech needs this to be a low-scoring type football game to where they can kind of play a little bit of tennis. You know, um, move the ball, not get aggressive, punt it, let your defense play, continue to stop the run. If they get into a shootout and have to get aggressive with, with Donovan Smith, I think that's where they could get into some serious trouble. If I had to pick it, I would probably say the NC State wins it by three, Tech has the ball late, and can't make the plays to get down the field to win it. Yeah, it, I've, ta- I've talked to a couple people that are, you know, in that Tech program, and that QB competition wasn't close, apparently. Yeah. And and the Chuck main reason – he's, he's super accurate, big arm. Yeah, understands coverage. And the reason that Donovan Smith wasn't, you know, seriously considered was because he, he was turning it over quite a bit in practice. So, we'll see if if they can adjust. But that should be, that should be a fun game. Okay, moving on to the next game. Number 12, BYU at number 25, Oregon, and a line that will make you raise an eyebrow. The Oregon Ducks are favored at home by three and a half. So this is, this is a tough spot for BYU, though, because you're coming off an extremely physical game, competitive double overtime game against Baylor, while Oregon, they, they had a get-right game after they got dismantled by Georgia in week one. However, I think BYU's got a big advantage at quarterback because I think Jaron Hall is a better player than Bo Nix. So we'll see if BYU gets their top two receivers back for this game, right, Nakua and Romney. But I I know Austin's a tough place to play, but, man, I just I can't unsee what happened to Oregon in week one, man, but that is Georgia. BYU's not Georgia. I got to keep reminding myself of that. It's way, it's way too easy. It's way too easy because I personally believe from what I've seen, BYU absolutely dominates the line of scrimmage and wins the football game. But I admit there's something that I'm not seeing. Is it the, you know, the late night, double overtime game against Baylor that has them, you know, I think it's good whenever you're going on the road after something like that. I know it feels like a short week, but it feels like it's back to business whenever you're going on the road a little bit more. I don't know. I, (laughs) it seems like, Hey, I'm getting three and a half and you're giving me BYU all day long. But I, I I mean, I kind of feel the same way. It's like, it just seems too easy. Right. Right. And it's probably safe to assume that, Oregon's got some more speed at the skill positions, but I assumed that last week with Baylor. Yeah. And, and BYU didn't give up any explosive plays. What we said, you had heard that ba- it was the fastest Baylor team that they've had since they've been there, right? With the, the GPS stuff in practice. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you, you look at BYU, extremely physical. I like Chris Brooks in that running game. Listen, if that BYU defense, especially that defensive line, if they play like they did against Baylor, I I, I would expect them to win the game, right? I, I really would. But I do think Autzen, I've never been there, 
but it sounds like it's a hell of a home field advantage. Sounds like that place gets rocking. One of the interesting parts of this game, or there's two interesting little facts about this game. BYU, now they didn't play Oregon, but last year they went 5-0 and against Pac-12 teams. And also, BYU is getting paid $1.1 million to play this game at Oregon. It was Nothing scheduled back in 2015. It would, it would not surprise me if BYU went there, collected their 1.1, gave them a nice ass whooping, and then went home. Ooh. Give me that in $20 bills, please. Have it ready at the plane whenever we're uh, leaving town. Hey, BYU, if they go beat uh, top 25 Oregon on the road after beating, what was ba- was Baylor 10, 12? Nine. Nine. You got to start to take a look down that schedule and say, are we working with something here? I, I think they ac- absolutely are, and because they've got the opportunities, right? And I know Notre Dame kind of fell off the cliff after the Marshall loss, but still a big name. They play Arkansas. They play Notre Dame and Arkansas back to back. They they also, they've got Boise state. They've got Stanford. Like they can, they can put together a a college football playoff resume. They can't. I agree. So we'll see, but that that's going to be a fun game. Okay. Last game. I want to talk about number 13, Miami goes to college station to take on somehow still ranked number 24, Texas A&M and Texas A&M is a five and a half point favorite there at Kyle field. And did the odds makers just not watch the app state game? What's happening here? What's going on? I don't know, but the betting public is all over Miami all over Miami and the betting public is wrong a majority of the time this is another one it just it seems too easy right Jimbo Fisher's lost it their offense is no good their quarterback is no good Miami uh you know they're they're working on something they've got a fantastic NFL prospect at quarterback it seems so easy right it it does and the interesting thing is you know Jimbo's out here talking about the possibility of giving up play calling duties like that's where we're at with A&M but yeah it's probably everyone else is like don't put my name on that trash I don't want to call call plays in your offense (laughs) yeah but it is it's probably important to remember and I know talent alone doesn't win games, but Texas A&M's got more talent than Miami. They do. They got bigger, faster, stronger guys. And Miami actually played a pretty similar game to OU last week. Right? Got off to a really slow start, but ended up beating Southern Miss 30-7. Um, to 7. I, I, I cert- This is a game I would never put any of my own money on just because I, there's no way I'm trusting – Texas A&M one way or the other. And I, Hanks King has just been, I mean, he's not been good, but this could come down to whether Miami can get Henry Parrish going in the run game. Right. And I think I view this game being controlled by both defenses. And I can't believe I'm going to say this, but college football is weird, man. 
How yep. many times have we seen it's it can be so weird and so confusing. I think a and is going to bounce back. I think they're going to win this game. It, Jimbo Fisher, for the love of God, get a chain and Anais Smith, the ball in space, give Haynes King some easy throws to those two guys and just let them be athletes, man, please, please just give them some easy throws. That's all I'm asking. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you that I'm, I'm leaning A&M, but here's the thing. I think you'll know exactly how this game goes on the first offensive series by Texas A&M. If they punt, you know damn well that place is going to boo like crazy. Oh, my gosh. And if that happens, you're already not very good quarterback is going to go absolutely in the tank. But if they can move the ball, score some points, get down into field goal range, kick a field goal, score a touchdown in the first series, I think that has a chance to totally take the pressure off. If this game was being played in Miami, I'd take Texas A&M and not even worried about it. I feel like this is one of those games where it's a bad thing that it's at home. I, I think it's the best game of the weekend. I think it's the most interesting game of the weekend. Is it an, is it a night game? I, if you, if you want to tell everyone how, how, much you love Jimbo Fisher and what they do offensively. I can look it up Saturday, 8 PM kickoff. Nice. Whoa. That's awesome. Yeah, that'll be good. I wonder if they're going to have any of those, uh, yell meeting cult meeting things. They're going to be e- extra weird on Friday night. <laughs> they get ex- those videos are God. Those people are not funny. That is so weird, man. Texas A&M people are so odd. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first, First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fantasy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember, in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, the Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconesDistilling.com. 
as always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? I had to go with Steve Sarkeesian, uh, head coach, University of Texas. Rat poison. He's learned something from Nick Saban. Got to avoid the rat poison. And that's been the problem for Texas. We've seen at times that they play really well against good opponents, but they can't back it up. And UTSA is a dangerous, dangerous football team. If they don't show up ready to roll, UTSA can definitely beat them. So um, I had to I had to make him the winner for at least recognizing that. But it must be nice, right, to lose a game at home, be one and one, and have to tell the media that we can't listen to all the great things people are saying about us. Would we be in the same situation, honestly, if we hosted Alabama this year, played him to an incredibly tight game, Bama needed a field goal to win the game? Would, would we be singing the same tune? Cause maybe we would, I don't know. I think it would be, it wouldn't be at the extent it is with Texas because Texas has been bad. Right. I mean, they've been bad and won five games last year. There would be I the conversation would be different. I think the conversation if OU were to play Bama like that would be we're probably going to see these two teams play again. I yeah. think that would be the conversation. I don't think anyone's really right. saying that about Texas. I think right now the conversation about Texas, I know certainly what I've been talking on my Big 12 show is all right, show us the consistency now. That yep. defense, hey, you played that way against Bama. Let's see you play that way against UTSA. And then let's see you play that way against Tech. And then West Virginia. And then Oklahoma. And then Iowa State. And then Oklahoma State. I have Texas' schedule in front of me. That's why. <laughs> Were you like, wow, really? That's, a, that's You got to memorize now. It's, it's right here. But I, I'm with you. It was, it was good to hear that from Sarkeesian, but it also was like, this is the most Texas thing ever. Right. We got to avoid all the good things everyone's saying about, which I don't even know. Are people really saying a whole lot of good things or is that them just thinking people are saying a bunch of good things? You know, uh, I, people, people, it, the way they played against Bama was impressive. I'm, right. uh, you know, you and I, we gave as many compliments as we, we've ever given to a Texas team after that game. But the reality that Charles Wright may start at quarterback for them against UTSA. I mean, and, and there's some people that are dialed into that program saying that Hudson Card's status for that game is up in the air yeah. and that Charles Wright could be the guy starting. They could start their third string quarterback against the Roadrunners. As long as they don't play Malik Murphy, I'm fine with it. Play whoever you want. We don't want that kid getting any snaps. We need but him yeah. in the transfer portal. Rat poison. <laughs> All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? Okay. So, and I'm anxious to get your feeling on this. And there's been a lot of discussion about Scott Frost. And I continue to hear all across college football, all across anyone that talks about this, this sport in depth about the Nebraska job. And there's three names I continue to hear. 
Mark Stoops, Matt Campbell, and Dave Aranda. And I just, I don't understand why those names are getting brought up. Now, I think that Mark Stoops may, his agent may say, oh, yeah, you know what, we're, you, there's, there may be some interest there. Like, what do you, what do you, what do you got for us to get a raise, right? Same thing with Campbell, to get a raise. Um, same thing with Aranda. They're not leaving schools that are playing their all-time best football for a job that has been mired in dysfunction for a decade that is also in the Big Ten, that also has to go through Ohio State, through Michigan, through Penn State, through Wisconsin. Matt Campbell and Dave Aranda, the Big 12 is about to get paid. Oklahoma and Texas are leaving. This is the best time they've ever had. They're not leaving those schools unless it's for a premier job. All three of those guys. Mark Stoops is in line for the next big SEC job that comes available if he wants it. And I don't even know that he'll want it. So I just, I'm, I'm shocked that some of the names I keep hearing that are being thrown at Nebraska. I, now, I may end up being totally wrong, but I just don't see it. I, one of the big things about, you, when you talk about the appeal of the Nebraska job, first of all, they're in the Big Ten. Nebraska can pay their coach a ton, right? I mean, so if you are, if you're Matt Campbell and they say, hey, we'll pay you $8 million a year. Now, reportedly, what, didn't he turn that down from the Lions or someone like that? Yeah, but, but that's my point, though. The, the Big 12 is about to get paid. They're about to get a big pay increase. Like, I could see him flirting with it to get a raise. But but, but the thing is, a, a lot of people in, you know, kind of the TV world think that the Big 12's media rights payout per school is going to go down significantly once OU and Texas leave. Hmm. That's well, it, it may. I thought the one I heard was 55 million. I, I'm just telling you, you know, I've talked, I've had Andrew Marshawn on a couple of times on my radio show and, you know, he, he thinks the future of the PAC 12 and their media rights payout is worse than the big 12, but he's like, and either situation's great, right? Yeah. Because of how much value OU and Texas brought to the big 12, but Baylor's got money. Iowa state's going to pay Matt Campbell what he wants. And one thing, people, for whatever reason, people forget this. Coaches are human beings. They want to be happy. And Matt Campbell gets to do whatever he wants in Ames, Iowa. They don't make him do any media. He gets to do whatever he wants. They give him everything he wants. Mm -hmm. I've talked to Jamie Pollard, their athletic director, about it many times. Whatever he wants, he gets. They don't bother him. He just gets to coach football and live. And and it he get he gets to live exactly the way he wants. And they they're winning at a decent clip. And winning makes people happy as well. Dave Aranda, he just won a Big 12 title. And Baylor, Baylor's got money. Right? Matt Rule was getting paid, paid before he left for the Panthers. And Dave Aranda is already like he's getting paid and they'll pay him more if they have to. 
Aranda's probably already eight million or above. And Mac Rhodes has talked about it plenty of times. Hey, we we invest in our coaches. We'll do what we got to do to be competitive. And so all of those jobs currently are better than Nebraska, and they're going to get even better once OU and Texas leave. Yes, and and that includes Kentucky. Nebraska is a terrible job right now. It offers nothing except for a lot of money, which Frost had a lot of money. They were dumping a ton of money into the program, a ton of NIL stuff, building a new facility. Like They're dumping a ton of money there. It's not a good job. It's not in a good recruiting area. It's not in a conference where they're, they're going to be able to dominate. It's not a good job. I know there's a ton of nostalgia with Nebraska football, but it has the same exact roadblocks that Iowa State football has, except Iowa State is at their peak and they're playing in a conference where the team that wins it every single year is leaving. It's a better job. I'm sorry to say that. I. I'm with you. It's it's an interesting conversation. It's going to be really interesting to see who takes that job. I, I know. I think uh, I heard Toby talking about it this morning. Leonard, Jim Leonard from Wisconsin, I think is an interesting. Like, I think Nebraska can bounce back. I do. But it's going to have to be the route of hiring a coordinator from somewhere that's at a good school that can develop that can recruit locally hit on a couple of guys in the transfer portal and develop it's it whether people want to believe it or not nebraska is now a developmental program that's what it is 100 also someone that maybe has a strong personality that can grab guys out of the portal bring some yeah. talent like infuse some talent quickly portals gonna has to be huge for them has to gotta be. be huge all right let's get to my winner and loser Thought about going with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ted, because it looks like TJ Watt not going to need surgery on that peck. Uh, you know, we <laughs> thought when he walked off the field, said, I tore my peck. We all thought he's going to be out him. As soon season. as he did it, I tore it. I blank yeah. and tore it. <laughs> I, I tore it. But uh, it sounds like he could be out as little as like four weeks, six weeks, probably more like six. But it, now it's not ideal but it's pretty good that you're not losing the reigning NFL defensive player of the year for the season. And he was playing his ass off in that game too. Oh my. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's really good at football. Like yeah. really, That's really good. Uh, I also thought about how about a little baseball, Ted? I thought about Ooh. going with Aaron judge. Are they Did still playing baseball right now? Is that I get their plate? I watched it. I watched him hit a home run. Wow. On Tuesday, number 56 and number 57 for Aaron judge. Unreal. Five home runs away. From passing Roger Maris, he's got 20 games to go. Uh, I think he'll definitely get to 60, which puts you in a very, very select group of individuals to hit 60 home runs in a season. And that boy's a free agent at the end of this year, right? He is. He turned down the the extension. Oh, he's going to be he's going to be so rich. <laughs> but I. I made my winner of the week SMU. Okay. Because 
the SEC has directed Georgia and Tennessee to not play their home-and-home non-conference series against the Oklahoma Sooners because, of course, the second of those non-conference games would take place after OU is already in the SEC, so it doesn't really make the schedule nice and easy and clean for when that transition happens. So OU has replaced the Georgia series with the SMU Ponies. Ponies coming to Norman in 23. Sooners going to Dallas in 2027. They're still working on replacing the Tennessee series, but all things considered, Ted thought thought SMU was a pretty solid replacement for Georgia. Listen, Georgia replaced us with Ball State, so it could have been that. <laughs> so I'm I'm pretty fired up that OU was able to make this thing work uh, late notice and, and got SMU and a lot of OU people in Dallas. So that it's going to be fun. And it's a team that we should beat twice. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating that that happened. I was, I was kind of shocked by it. I thought the, I thought the, the, the Georgia game was really, interesting i i don't know how they're going to do the pods or the the schedule if it's going to be nine game conference i I don't know what's going on there but i personally believe ou is going to be in the sec next season that's what i believe and i think did a&m play georgia in week two or is that no missouri played georgia in week two of whenever they first went to the sec and a and like, that's what they did last time is they played the first SEC game out of the gate, hosting a pretty good SEC um, football team at their place whenever they first entered the SEC. So I thought it was going to just roll in naturally, but I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I you're of the belief that OU's going in 2023. I'm of the belief because of how ESPN's deal, you know, TV deal with the SEC lines up. I think it's going to be 2024. I also think that there's no way in hell Greg Sankey allows the Big Ten to have some big event, you know, the, some marquee season with UCLA and USC coming in 2024. There's no way he lets that happen. But, man, this caused quite the reaction from people before OU put the thing out about the SMU game. Man, the – uh People, people are like, oh, my God, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's – you don't know how to feel about it, right? It's – I, it, I was fired up for that game. I know that. I know. I and know. I, and that is upsetting, but uh, it'll be replaced with – like, whether they're moving date or what, I don't know, but it's going to be replaced with with something that's going to be really good. Um, yeah, SMU, man. Yeah. Take it, take well, it on the ponies. Well, we don't have, who else do we play? There's only one other game. Is there, are both games scheduled already? I have no idea. Or, I, uh, Georgia uh, was the headliner. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. OU schedule 2023. We're looking at it right now. It is uh, Arkansas state, Georgia, Tulsa. Tulsa. I was thinking Tulsa was in there. Oh, wait. That's, is that at Tulsa? That can't be right. Ah, who cares? But SMU now. 
this is great podcasting, incredible stuff <laughs> right here. All right. For my loser of the week, thought about going with anyone that thought people were going to stop watching college football. Do you see the numbers for Notre Dame, Ohio state and Alabama, Texas? Yeah. Uh, kind of, kind of decent. I would say. Yeah. Both average over 1000 or 10 million viewers. Uh, first time since 1994 that, They've you've had two games like that in the month of September. So turns out people still like and still like watching uh, other really athletic people run into each other. Premier games, man. And, you know, that's one of the things that we've been talking about for a while in college football is in Sankey has said this, basically saying the same thing with, with March madness, right? People want premier games. They turn the TVs on for premier games and you're starting to see more of those matchups. I think the expanded playoff is going to continue to help some of those non-conference situations take place as long as we can get over the conference feud stuff. Yeah. I also thought about going with Robert Sarver, the owner of the uh, Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. He was suspended by the NBA for a year and fined $10 million. And this is a guy that already had the reputation of, being possibly the cheapest owner in the league. And, and now everyone has seen the report and knows he's an absolute scumbag. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to force him to sell the team, but it will be kind of interesting to see how this affects the Suns moving forward when it comes to getting players. If he's still the owner, I, I could see some guys being like, Oh, don't want to play for that guy. But then again, if they're offering you, you know, $46 million a season, huh? And you yeah. get to live in Phoenix. Eh. I'm sure some guy will be like, yeah, I'll do it. But just a really weird situation, man. Yeah, weird situation. I I, I saw uh, Silver's, like some of his responses to it. Uh, he said that like there was some safeguards in place. Like he didn't think they were going to be able to make him sell the team. Um, you know, I guess some people were saying that maybe the punishment was not enough. He said that he he kind of trusted the the panel that was put together to investigate the whole deal and to come down with all the rulings. So it is a fascinating situation for sure. Yeah. But my loser of the week, and it's got nothing to do with his play Vaughn Miller. And I think he actually just started a podcast. Welcome to the business Vaughn. Yeah. It he, and he would, he balled out against the Rams last Thursday night, right? Had a couple sacks. He was great, but his tweet about the Leonard Fournette, block on Micah Parsons is ridiculous. I mean, and if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen the play, Leonard Fournette chips Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons doesn't see him coming. He decleats his ass. I mean, strokes him, which happens. I mean, it's football. Blew him up. But it's whatever. Like, it happens. It, it happens relatively often in college, in the NFL. It's, it's part of the game. Von Miller chimed in with this tweet, quote, this block must be taken out the game. This is the future, and we are just letting offense to tee off on our marquee pass rushers. You can get the job done without this much contact. What the hell? He cannot be serious. You can get it done without this much contact. Yeah, I'm sure, Vaughn. 
when you beat a tackle for the bills, when y'all are playing on Monday night football, you're just going to take Tannehill down to the ground softly. Right. I mean, this is dumb as hell, man. I, I think it's, I think it's dumb. It's a chip block. It happens every game. Micah Parsons, unbelievable player, but needs to get his damn head on a swivel when you got the back offset to your side. Um, I, they do not need to take it out of the game, but I, I'm sure this is Vaughn Miller saying, I, I get fined if I do anything, if I touch the quarterback's helmet with my hand, if I'm trying to block a pass, if I fall on him too much, if I sack him below the waist, like I'm sure this is him just reaching, but instead of making this illegal, they need to just not make all the other dumb things that are illegal that they already have illegal. Those should all be allowed in the game. In my opinion. Yeah. Don't make more things illegal. That's not the answer. The reason this isn't going to be made illegal. Do you know who Leonard Fournette is chip chipping Micah Parsons for <laughs> the old man, which he looked old in that post-game interview. Did you see that? He did look a little old. Also, has he had some work done? I don't, I don't know. It's the first time. I think Tom the Brady personal issues age. are weighing on him. Yeah. Yeah. I think the person not to, we could, we don't need to dive into Tom Brady's personal life, but. I mean, let well, we'll see how the season goes. But, yeah, he was protecting Tom Brady with the chip lock. And this just in, the NFL cares about quarterbacks. Yeah. The pass rushers are great, but they care about quarterbacks. That's what they care about. That's what people care about. So the chip's going to stay. And also, there are absolute creatures coming off the edge in the National Football League. You, you got to help O-linemen out somehow, man. and. I guarantee you this, Ted, Von Miller, he's going to go on an ET and he's going to ear hold the absolute hell out of guard and not feel bad about it. Right. Try to knock his, try to knock his head in, into his shoulder. Like it's, it's a physical game. It's a violent game, man. That ain't illegal. What are we talking about? Nope. Not illegal. Um, frankly, it has to happen. You know, the, <laughs> If it wasn't for that block, a bunch of these uh, rookie tackles out there would just be destroyed over and over and over. It's 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 a necessity for all you I, fantasy football fans out there. <laughs> the chip block is a necessity. Yeah, and uh, I did I did enjoy the back and forth between Micah Parsons and Leonard Fournette on Twitter, but Von Miller's take was just uh, yeah. It's it's not like it's a blindside. Yeah, he didn't see him, but he lined up directly in front of him. He like you are staring him in the face whenever you line up before the snap. So it's not a blindside. You you gotta knock Parsons awareness rating on Madden down after that one. You gotta I think so. you gotta see all what 260 of Leonard Fournette. Dude looking <laughs> thick, but also looking good. Yeah. Ugh. All right, episode 249 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. Have an awesome weekend. If you're going to Lincoln, have a fantastic time. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. 
do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more time